Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Tanya. How are you, Kat? I'm fantabulous. Yeah? Yeah, I am. Tell me about it. Well, I am teaching a workshop this weekend called Claiming Your Creative Magic. And you know, I love to talk about magic. And so uh, it is the first workshop, maybe a year, that I've taught that's not primarily yoga. So it's kind of exciting. So I'm, I like that. So that'll be pretty cool. But then the week after that, I'm talking yoga for back care at the University of South Carolina. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. You got all the things going. It's going, going, going. And then I am, we are, are real excited. We've gotten more people going on our Greece cruise. That's awesome. I don't know. I want Tanya and John to go on the Greece cruise though. that's awesome i love it yeah it'll be fun i am excited about talking a little bit more the physiology of stress today yeah i i think you and i we must be attracted to the topic of stress for some odd reason Mm -hmm. i love talking stress and you know i know you and i both can get stressed but i have to say the biggest reason i love it because every single person i interact with you can see the physiological effects of stress on them you know maybe it's sweaty palms or shallow breathing or they're just totally overwhelmed and you can't they can't rein it in you can see sometimes in people's eyes that fight or flight response especially if they're coming to an advanced yoga class (laughs) (laughs) but just in this modern world it's just everywhere and yeah you know, and i can't like i can't get my mom she, uh, to quit watching the news so let's talk the physiological stresses uh, effects of stress on someone that is on the news watching the news a lot yeah so it does cover it kind of encompasses everyone that i know anyway and it impacts not only our mental health but our physical st- health and our relationships. Oh, it's affects everything. And, you know, to your point, when you say it affects everybody, like, I don't care who you're in conversation with right now. It's like, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so anxious. I'm Mm -hmm. worried about XYZ. I don't have any time for self care, you know, yada, yada, like the list. Nobody, I can't think of the last time I've heard somebody say, actually, I'm perfect. I know. (laughs) I'm just chill. I'm just living Living life, having fun. I'm perfect. I couldn't, I've never been more satisfied and content with my life than I am right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you know what? Hey, anyone listening to us, if you feel that way, please text us and tell us that. I was looking at, you know, one of my certifications is with ACE, American Council on Exercise, and they define stress as a state of disharmony or altered homeostasis within an organism. So in other words, we strive to live in a stable and a balanced environment, but stressful events alter our homeostasis and they upset the harmony in our body systems. And right now, the world's doing that to us. And our body's stress response is governed by the parasympathetic sympathetic nervous system. And when we're faced with acute danger, our body responds with that cascade of physical and hormonal changes that prepare us to respond. And so it's 
really challenging. I mean, because we're built to do that. But when we live in a constant state of stress, we can harm our body by allowing it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's it's a little bit like just because your body can do it doesn't mean it should do it every day, all day. (laughs) Yeah, Meditate, people. Take a chill pill. Go to yoga. (laughs) Find something that can be your, we'll say, capsule of chill, whatever it is, and preferably not zoning out at TikTok on your phone. Absolutely. Because that's a different kind of stress. The, you know, the concept of, well, but I was just chilling and I was just scrolling through on my phone, except for the fact that scrolling through on your phone, A, stresses your eyes. Mm-hmm. B, what if you see something as you scroll through that then annoys you and it flips the switch just like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, and it will. If you get on TikTok, it will. Even if you're looking at clothes. I mean, it doesn't have to be looking at the world around you. There's something on there that will flip your switches. Anything that is external stimulus is Mm -hmm. not finding that capsule of chill. Well, some of the physical and hormonal changes that you can experience are increased blood pressure and heart rate, a surge of the stress hormones, the ephedrine, the uh, norephedrine, and the cortisol. And, you know, we hear a lot about the cortisol levels. We don't really talk about the others that much. Also, there's a reduced blood flow to internal organs and increased blood flow to your muscles. And that's designed by nature for that flight response, heightened muscle tension, inhibition of your immune system, you know, digestive system and reproductive functions. So when you're confronting danger, these physiological responses play a real protective role in helping us to survive. But once they're activated, they kind of mobilize your body's resources to meet those demands. So if your demand is caused by, as you said, sitting and watching TikTok and everything's going out, eventually you're going to, the body's just going to say no. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is that just like everything you just said is, okay, part of that hormonal response is to send the information to shut down the digestive system, to shut down the reproductive system, to shut down, you know, the other systems that are necessary, like, hey, we don't need to salivate right now. Like, it's not necessary. We need to run, right? But here's the problem with that, is that if we are under continual stress, we are taking our metabolism and we're squashing it and we're continuing to squash it. And then we wonder why when we're feeling high stress that we gain weight. It's Mm -hmm. because we've squelched the metabolism. It's also no wonder that we're like, well, gosh, I just don't have any libido. Well, that's because we've squashed the reproductive system down and continued to squash it down, right? Mm -hmm. So all these things play a part in we wonder why, well, what's going on with me? Yeah, Like nothing is working the way I want it to. And it's mostly because we've been in such a constant battle that we've shut those systems down. And it's because our normal right you know we don't even see it yeah it's the normal and here's the other piece to it so part of that response you know we talk about decreasing digestion but and dilating the lungs so we can breathe and run really fast and you know whatever for our flight and fright but here's the other piece to that is one big trigger is adrenaline sends 
the liver information to quickly convert glycogen to glucose so that we have sugar to fuel muscles, right? Like it literally starts breaking down the important glycogen into glucose so that your body can fuel. Well, the more that you throw glucose out into your body, the more likelihood we're going to start seeing pre-diabetics, the more likelihood we're going to see weight gain, problems of diabetes, the likes. Like we're literally contributing to our own problems, our own chronic physical problems. Mm-hmm. You know, most all of my health coaching clients that I work with deal with chronic stress. And I'm trying to think, I don't know of any of them that feel like that they are at their normal body weight. Yeah. Uh, because like you mentioned, it stre- chronic stress is generally associated with higher body weight because of those hormones. Because the, the stress response inhibits hunger and others increase it. Cortisol typically spikes in the latter part of the stress response and it stays elevated during the c- recovery phase. So when you have that increase in hunger and motivation to eat to replenish those calories that you might have expended when you were running away from a dinosaur and all you're doing is sitting on the couch flipping, you know, through Instagram reels, you're going to just reach for foods that give you comfort, like quick digesting carbohydrates, things that are high in fat, because you're wanting to soothe that system. And you begin to eat and you associate that more with any kind of uh, stress and emotions that come up, you start leaning towards grabbing those foods. And cortisol kind of spurs that increase of fat storage, particularly in the midsection. And it's also interesting too, because it does become a cyclic pattern, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you have increased stress from whatever that negative stimulus is, and you have it as chronic stress, your system starts to shut down. Maybe your weight starts to go up. But then when your weight is up, it puts stress on the organs. It puts stress on your knees, your joints. It creates other stress in the body, which becomes this very tricky cycle to break. And the body image stress and the the stress of your genes not buttoning and that causes a whole different level of stress. So it's, it really is a vicious cycle and it's, it's not easy to break this cycle. Yeah. You know, it's easy to say, you know, don't sit and watch YouTube all day long with, you know, scary things on there. You know, it's easy to say that, but it's so easy to look up one thing for work and all of a sudden you're in a rabbit hole and you just spiral down and you get more and more and more stressed out. There's so many people now that you mentioned digestion, but so many people that struggle with acid reflux, so many people that struggle with heartburn, that struggle with gastrointestinal issues. And a lot of it is because of stress. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there is the chance it's a hereditary thing, but when it's not, usually the first thing is, is, well, let's talk about how you, how your body is, how you're treating your body, how much sleep are you getting? Like, what are the classic signs of your stress, right? Mm-hmm. And so before we go down that path, we were talking, you know, the homeostasis piece, right? And how usually stress is defined by any sort of physio- physiological stress that 
that takes us out of homeostasis in our body, right? So that happens physically in the body. The stimuli hits the brain and usually through the eye, but it can hit the brain other ways, right? The stimuli hits the brain. The brain deciphers, is this a threat or is this not a threat? right? And then the minute that decision is made, the body stays aroused. And so if we're in constant states of stress and the body is constantly working, again, it goes into that cycle of inability to sleep because I'm stressed. Not having sleep causes more stress. It's like this big circle, right? And Unless we are able to tell the brain the threat is over, the bear is no longer chasing me, the threat is over, our body won't go back into homeostasis unless the brain tells it to. So we, there's this part of us that has to remain in control so that we can say, deep breath, (laughs) the threat is over, Mm -hmm. deep breath, come back, bring me back, I'm okay. I'm okay, right? Yeah. And we can. We can override the system, but we have to be aware. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the big problems we have. Most people, you know, I have them, as you know, have them rate their stress levels on a scale of one to 10. And it's amazing how people, how many people will put eight or nine. And for me, eight or nine is if I'm running for my life. That, that's pretty, <laughs> you See, know, that. And I think that's such an interesting definition because I know mm-hmm. you used to say to me, well, gosh, I'd really like to get your stress less than that. And I'm like, I think it's actually in a good place. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, and it is relative. Because yeah. to me, running from the bear is 10. Mm-hmm. And to me, five is average. And if I could say that my stress was average, I would love that, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm being honest with myself, and I know I do it to myself, I take on more than I should, but that leaves me somewhere in that seven, eight range because it's above average. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. When you start talking stress like that and you're worrying about it and you're worrying about it. Well, I would say most people don't worry about their stress. They just take it as part of their life. They don't, I think they get so used to it being their best friend or their worst enemy, whichever one they want to call it, that they just assume it's just along for the ride with them all the time, but they don't even realize how it affects their mental health, how it can negatively impact their mood, the way that they relate to other people. It does increase your rate of depression, anxiety. And I know we've talked about uh, stress and anxiety a lot of times, but prolonged exposure to cortisol and other, other hormones can increase your feelings of anxiety and they can contribute to the development of depression. And when you keep those cortisol levels elevated, a lot of times you'll see people have major depressions and animals with high uh, cortisol levels can show symptoms of depression like poor sleep, locomotive changes, reduced appetite. You mentioned low libido. And so I don't really know the magic the magic wand that can help people to get rid of that extra stress because we live in a world that really kind of promotes stress in our lives. Because if we can keep everyone stressed out, then they're going to keep going to McDonald's and buying milkshakes. If the <laughs> Now, I'm not going to beat up the food industry, but you know they do play a lot on that. So you have to just create that awareness. So you, I don't know, you know the little Apple Watch where it's got the 
little breathe app. Maybe if we tried that as a just a check in and chill, you know, one minute check in and chill thing is to breathe. And I think that's generally what the breathe is supposed to be for just to give you a second to stop and slow down and focus one minute on breathing. But just trying to create some kind of awareness can help. I agree. It is crazy. I just think to myself, how many things become attractive to stressed out people? And then how many things, I'm going to use the word should, be attractive to stressed out people, right? I like where you're you're going with this. (laughs) (laughs) And I know that's where we're headed next. Mm -hmm. Because you and I both have been in places in our lives where we know the stress was destroying our body. We have cancer proof of it. We have other dis-ease in our body as proof of it we were living it Mm -hmm. and now do you feel like you're in your healthiest place in life or one of the healthiest places you've been in your body in life I I do I do too yeah I really do I do too yeah I mean that doesn't mean I don't you know regularly experience stress but I don't I don't take stress to bed with me every night I don't wake up holding stress's hand and start my day with stress you handle it differently because mm-hmm. you have tools, you manage it. That's where I was talking about being able to use your voice and say, yes, this is a stressful situation. However, I have managed you mm-hmm. and you don't manage me. I've got some numbers for you. All right, let's hear it. I know you like it when I throw throw numbers at you. Research revealed that stress is a common risk factor in 75 to 90% of modern diseases, including cardiovascular disease, diabetes, liver disease, Alzheimer's, and cancer. Yep. A hundred percent. We are living proof. Yeah. When I asked my doctor, because they don't know, but I know every single patient asks them, why did I get cancer? You know, not that I wanted someone else to get it, but I just wanted to know why I did. I did everything right. And he said, you seem like someone that's under a lot of stress. And he said, stress can cause cancer. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) My gosh, you know, and so that almost puts it back the ball back in my court. So, you know, by not using tools back way back then, I ended up with cancer and you lived the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Well, I was going to say, now there are some benefits of stress, though, besides the fight or flight and saving you from a polar bear. Um, <laughs> now it's a polar bear. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we have moved on. Let's give all the scary animals a little, a little time. Dinosaur. <laughs> okay. But stress can boost cognition. It can boost motivation, memory, creativity, vigilance, and perseverance. Therefore, the way that we perceive a stressor, and this is something I find very interesting, the way that we perceive it has a significant impact on how it affects us. Because you and I allow stress to be in our worlds right now, but the stress that I have for this workshop coming up, it's really good stress. It's motivating me to come up with some of the best stuff I've taught in a long time. It is interesting how our body reacts to the stress has a lot to do with how we perceive it. And simply viewing a stressor as a challenge rather than a threat yields better physical and psychological consequences. So our stress mindset alters our behavior and our psychological responses to the threat that changes our long-term outcome. Yeah. 
Totally. Isn't that cool? It is. Stress does have its things. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't love the expression, but I use it is like I thrive under stress. And mm-hmm. I should restate that to say that I thrive under pressure because I don't thrive under stress, but I do thrive sometimes on, you know, you have to do A, B, and C in X, Y, Z time because then I do a better job of managing my time. I'm like, okay, well then I have to do A, B, and C in X, Y, Z time. Yeah, I'm exact. That must be a pitta thing too. I love deadlines and I love having deadlines. When someone tells me, well, like this body image book I'm working on, I have no mental where I'm working with right now. So I have no motivation to write as much as I did when I had a mentor that I had to, that I was paying and you got to get that money part of there in that, but that I was paying that I had to write 30 pages a month, good pages, edited pages to give to to her. And so I do better when I have some kind of a deadline, especially if it's tied to some kind of consequence. I agree. I agree. And I think you and I have seen this even at the studio. Like Mm -hmm. we, we have seen this with students who commit to an eight week series, but it's only for $8 versus the eight week series that was for $80. Mm-hmm. When people are committed to the outcome and they're financially connected to it, they tend to also be like, well, hey, I paid for this. Like this has value to me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting mm-hmm. though. So some things that you can do to help live better with stress is move you know prioritize movement in oh i was day. like move move stress <laughs> what are you talking about did you see my face i was like actually what? see i actually i love moving because you know i was army brat and so every two years i'm ready to pack stuff up and move because you get but, to clean that's I why know, i know <laughs> But prioritize movement in your day because when you move, that reduces stress and it increases those feel-good hormones. So, and it doesn't have to be go to the gym and lift weights for an hour, then do an hour-long yoga class and then go do meditation. It, It really can be get up and walk 10 minutes after dinner. I mean, it really can be simple, but it you really want to try to move your body and learn how to say no. Tanya and I talk about that a lot. You know, as we have matured, we have realized the power of saying, no, I can't do that. I would love to do that. I would love to help you out with that. But right now I can't do that. Thank you so much for thinking of me though. You know, that can, it's very stressful the first few times you say, no, that's not really going to work for me. But once you get comfortable with that and you realize that you're doing that for your own health, it is so powerful. You know, we talk about affirmations all the time. If you just pick one, I am centered or I'm strong or I am focused, set a daily affirmation for whatever you need that day and get some friggin' sleep. Turn off the TikTok and go to bed. You know, and it's get good sleep get good sleep, quit drinking caffeine after lunch, try to do anything that you can. And I personally believe you need a routine to get the best sleep. And I have fine tuned my little routine now. It does help, but you, you know, some people do great with six hours. Some people need nine hours. You know what your body needs and be honest about that, but get good quality sleep and then have a positive attitude. Look on the bright side of things. 
practice create practice your creativity. Some people, when I say things like that, people are like, I'm not creative. I don't paint. I don't sculpt. I'm not a potter. It can be anything. It, I mean, you can sit down and color, but it's a real effective way to shift your mind's focus away from stress and away from fear. And it helps to bring in just those happy thoughts, those happy, those happy little happy, the good stuff, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> Dopamine. And, yeah, there we go. That big word. And then eat a good diet. If you go and I'm not, I don't want to pick on McDonald's anymore, but if you go get Sonic chili cheese fries and that's your dinner every single day, that's not very healthy. And our body responds to you putting bad stuff in it. So, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, going and getting a Wendy's Frosty occasionally, but you need to really focus on probably 80 to 90% of the time putting good foods in your body because you want to have the best, healthiest body that you can crazy. I know. I know. I mean, stress is a consistent part of our life, but it doesn't have to control the quality of our life. And stress is manageable. And people never believe me when I tell them it's manageable. They don't believe you either, do they? No, no. But if you have tools in your little Tanya Cat toolbox that we give you every week, if you have tools that you can use to help you manage stress, you know, it's easy to let put you in charge of controlling the stress instead of stress in charge of controlling you. Mm, I like it. That was a catnip. That's a catnip. <laughs> Perfect. I'm Cat Con. And I am Tanya Rice. And this is Two Pittas on a Pod signing off. Thank you for listening to Two Pittas on a Pod. We're grateful you joined us. Join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast. And we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. And like us on Facebook and Instagram at twopittasonapod.